Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is powered by Pinecast. It's also brought to you by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. The Osho Podcast is also brought to you by TickPick. No hidden fees, an online marketplace for events. Tickets based in New York City that allows users to bid on tickets. Go to TickPick to get your tickets now. The Osho Podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. Episode 58. I'm your host, Jack O'Hara. And if you haven't heard from him singing the actual theme music, I Go Blind, my co host has returned for the first time in a long time. Where the hell have you been? Baseball season is underway, my friend. It's my junior year. I'm very busy. It's very exhausting. I gotta get my beauty sleep, you know? Your beauty sleep. You're the, one of the ugliest people I know. And you're eating a sandwich right now on, uh, on audio. So. Thank you. But let, let's uh, get into what we want to talk about, and that's WrestleMania 35. Honestly, it had a lot of good moments. It had a lot of head-scratching moments, as you would expect from WWE. Uh, but the first thing I know you wanted to go over, and you said you could go over it for like 15 minutes, is how bad the WrestleMania 35 stage was. I was just very disappointed because the last time, sorry. Please, eat your food, please. Sorry, the last time Mania was at MetLife was in 2013 uh, for uh, WrestleMania 29. And we were there, you remember that set. It was one of the most incredible sets they had. They had the Statue of Liberty on top of the ring. They had the uh, Empire State Building on the stage. They had the Brooklyn Bridge. Super creative, super cool. Original, unique, and for 35, they just had a huge LED screen. That's it. It was just a big rectangle. That's it. We were joking that the Raw, watch them use the Raw stage as WrestleMania. I would have preferred the Raw stage because there's more going on. The Raw stage looks more like a WrestleMania stage than the WrestleMania stage did. It was just like a thousand LED boards mixed into one giant brick. That's all it was. And trust me, we talked about this before. I poke fun at that in this week's O-Down segment. So have something ready. It's your debut on the O-Down. O-Down throwdown. Whose line is it anyway? Ho-Down throwdown. Make something up. You're a lot better at singing than I am. So, And the fact that I've had to do this alone the last two, the last two episodes, it, it's, it's really taken a toll on my, uh, my confidence. So... But, yeah, WrestleMania 35 stage, worst stage in WrestleMania history, no question about it. WrestleMania 34 was all right, but compared to what WrestleMania 35 had, uh, 
it, it, it's like WrestleMania 26, 28, 29. Like 29, 29 to me is the second best stage. WrestleMania 33 was the best stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The giant planet. The uh, uh, what do you call it in Florida? The park. Universal Studios. Universal Studios. That that's basically what it was uh, made after. Because you had the giant planet, the WrestleMania logo going around it. You had the roller coasters. Like the actual stage itself didn't have much, but everything behind it was incredible, and it was probably the oh, longest the stage. They just had the the ramp go to the top of the first section of seats, which was super cool. So uh, before we get into the WrestleMania card, though, since we just ripped on the stage completely. As it deserved. Let's get into... Uh, you watched NXT, right? Tell me a little bit about that card. That was the only thing I didn't watch. I watched the Hall of Fame. I watched WrestleMania. I watched Raw and SmackDown. I didn't watch NXT. Alright. I thought TakeOver was amazing. Uh, you had Black and Ricochet versus the War Raiders. And an incredible, incredible tag team match. This is why, like, I I don't think it's just that the talent is better in NXT. Because I think the main roster in WWE has an insane roster. It's just how they're used. And um, Hunter obviously allows his wrestlers at NXT to do more. And be to take more risk, like take more risks in the ring than Vince allows his wrestlers to do on the main roster. I think that's a huge reason why there has been such a lack of quality matches in WWE. And take and the whole WrestleMania weekend was a prime example of that because, in my opinion, Takeover, or at least the beginning of Takeover, blew away WrestleMania. Absolutely. So what the main event was Gargano won the NXT title and uh, Ciampa yes. came out at the end. I guess he calls the NXT title Goldie, like as if it's an actual person. Yeah, he has like a relationship with the belt. No, not anymore. They broke up. Nah, she, she's Johnny's now. Uh, yeah. But NXT, good Hall of Fame. I want to get into because the Hall of Fame had a lot going down this year. It did. First of all. MMA fighter, uh, I gotta look up his name, was the guy who intruded the Hall of Fame and ended up tackling Bret Hart during Bret Hart wait, during the Hart Dynasty's induction. Yeah, he's a current MMA fighter. I gotta look up his name. Uh, current MMA fighter attacking Bret Hart in the middle of the ring as Bret Hart was being inducted for the second time with Jim Nyhart. So Natalia and Bret Hart were actually in the ring. Um, basically accepting his Hall of Fame recognition, and then uh, this guy ends up getting into the ring, attacking Bret Hart, and they actually got it on the stream. So, like, for a brief second, you saw this guy take down... take down Bret Hart. And then they're like, all right, cut it. Like, it went black for, like, about ten minutes as they had to try and sort everything out. I think it was Dash Wilder, sucker punched the guy in the face... Everybody yeah, went nuts. Gave him a huge bat. I think it was like uh, the New Day and maybe Roman were like the first to kind of hop on the guy. It, I was watching a lot of footage from like the crowd because I thought I would get a better, you know, view of the whole scene. And it looked like at least Biggie and Roman were 
two of the first guys to to help out. It was great that the WWE talent didn't hesitate either to get that guy out of there. I mean, what were they going to do? Just stand there while the guy's beating the shit out of Brent Hardy? He's like 60 years old. Yeah, what do you think would have happened? Like, you think he was going to do more than that? Yeah, I guess Travis Brown was right there immediately to take down the guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, so... I know he was a former MMA fighter. I cannot find his name for, like, article after article here. I didn't know it was a fighter. I thought it was just a crazy fan. He looked like a crazy fan. But why Bret Hart? That That's that's the one thing I don't get. That's the one guy that couldn't defend himself, really. And this is, what the, this is what the guy said to the cops after he got arrested. He said it just felt like it was the right moment. The right moment, like, were you planning this for years? Like, plotting this in your basement for 15 years or something? Yeah, that's weird. Felt like the right moment. It just like, felt what, like to, Zachary Matson. That's his name, Zachary Matson, MMA fighter. His last fight was in um, uh, February, February twenty sixth. He got choked out in the fifth round. Uh, wherever what he was. Does he fight for? Does he fight for Bellator? One. He's not a UFC fighter, is he? He's not in the UFC. I, it wasn't Bellator. Um, and there's like no information on this guy. That's really frustrating. He's a nobody and it's going to remain that way because he just destroyed his career. Yeah, just uh, amateur MMA fighter. A pre- previously accused of stalking a fighter he was, trading, or he was training with at a Nebraska gym uh, earlier in the year. He's 26 years old. This guy definitely. This guy obviously has issues one way or another. So, yeah. That's that though. Bret Hart not injured. I guess he went to the hospital for like hip soreness afterwards, but like he seems to be all right. It is what it is. Uh, I guess you just have to forget about that. DX though. DX getting into the Hall of Fame. That was cool. That was an awesome promo that they cut. They ripped AEW to shreds. <laughs> like. Because Billy Gunn's like their head producer, which like obviously you knew they were going to bring it up somehow. They're DX, like they're like known for breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. You knew that they were going to do something. And uh, yeah, so basically I want to say they were poking fun at Vince McMahon and they were saying like, yeah, he might fire all of us, like stop chanting. And Billy Gunn's like, he can't fire me. And Triple H is like, let's be honest, Billy. He'll buy out that like piss ass company just to fire you again. <laughs> yeah, it's DX, man. They uh, recreated the classic. We cannot say shit. I don't want to even finish that, but they redid that line, which I thought was really funny. And then uh, I think it was. Towards the end, they had, um, and then it was Shawn Michaels who said, uh, because they all had their water guns and Billy Gunn started squirting his and it didn't squirt out like anything. Like it was just like little drips and Triple H is like, well, Billy, you know, at our age that happens sometimes. (laughs) Just poking fun. Like everybody 
went uh, bananas after that, and then uh, Shawn Michaels just said, you know what, Billy, despite all that, it's good to see you here, like, all in with us. Yeah. yeah and the crowd was like, oh, shit. They're completely trashing AEW right now, which is funny to me. It's ironic. It's funny, but it's funny, but, like, WWE's going to get crushed for a little bit. Like, a I little bit. No, no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter how shitty AEW could be, which I don't think it's going to be, I, I think there's just going to be too much creative freedom for it, for there to be bad content on that show. But say it is really bad, it's worse than WWE. For the first couple months, or maybe even longer, the ratings are going to destroy WWE, especially if they're on TV every week. With this Thursday Night Dynamite thing, but I don't even know if that's confirmed. They might destroy WWE for the short-term period, but they're never going to get past WWE. Like, WWE is so far ahead of everybody else, and they've been ahead of everybody else for decades. Like, they might get hotter. It's not going to happen. You just can't pass the WWE. For people that don't know professional wrestling, they think WWE is one of a kind. They think WWE, like, have you ever met someone who has thought that WWE is the only pro wrestling company? No. Because I've met many people who are like, wait, there's more companies like that out there? I'm like, yeah, WWE is just the big leagues, just like everything else. I'm like, what? I didn't know that. Yeah, WWE is not that popular, I guess, in the mainstream eyes. Neither is, I mean, neither is pro wrestling. It is, it, it's getting more popular, I think, which is weird. Like, it's becoming more uh, common and mainstream, I'd say. It's not looked down upon as much as it used to be. And I'm saying that, but it's weird because WWE's content is so horrible. Yet, you know, they'll, they post stuff. Sports Center will post stuff every once in a while, ESPN. So, you know, you see all that. It's, it's more mainstream than it used to be, for sure. And it's ironic to me how Billy Gunn, like their lead producer for AEW, gets inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame and then Jericho's banned from the company. Is that set in stone? So, it, it, it's out there. Jericho keeps saying he's banned from the company, he can't have any guys from WWE on his podcast. To me, that's probably a work, because there's so many works within works. In the pro wrestling business nowadays, it's Jericho. He has a great relationship with Vince. Like I don't think there's no way that's true at all. And by band, like you're with AEW, so you're not going to be in WWE. Like you can't have the guys on your podcast. That kind of makes sense, given that you're now like the rival business. Yeah, that I understand. Sure, maybe Vince wouldn't want Jericho having WWE guys on his podcast because he is. A part of the new WCW, basically. Well, it, I, I, you know, I that's what that's the number one thing I hear is like AEW is the new WCW in terms of it's going to be a war between WWE and AEW. But the thing that'll make officially make it the new WCW is if, if they blatantly. Um, take jabs at WWE on live TV. Like, you know how WCW, they would always have, you know, they would, like, if there are anti-WWE signs in the crowd, the camera would, like, do close-ups on them and show it, and people would say things, and it was uncut. 
Yeah, and if it's WWE, like, they have to turn their shirts inside out because they don't want any AEW merchandise in their arenas. Yeah, which... It's not going to be, like, a Monday Night Wild thing. I think that era's past. Like, I think it was Kenny Omega who became executive vice president. He said that he's open to working with WWE. I don't think WWE's open to working with them. Yeah. And the whole concept behind AEW is that they bring in guys nobody's ever heard of before but are, like, wicked talented, and WWE just kind of signs everybody, regardless if they're talented or not, and then they just put them no, in their storylines. they sign based off of name. They don't sign based off of, you know, like... That's how WWE's always been. If, they, if WWE always was looking for solid talent, Sting would have never debuted in WWE in 2014. He debuted because it's Sting. That's it. Not because he could still wrestle and put on effective and quality matches. It's because it's Sting. That's it. Plain and simple. That's why I think AEW is going to be more successful because it's fresh. And they're taking a different route than WWE. Well, there's only one way to find out. The first event, May 25th, double or nothing. Uh, Jericho Omega 2, though it feels like 5. <laughs> I feel like Jericho has to go over this time just because he's already put Omega over so many times. Put him over at the cruise at uh, Russell Kingdom 12. He's got to win this one. But let's get into WrestleMania. WrestleMania 35 said the sta- uh, stage sucked. Uh, the first match of the night, kind of surprising. Uh, before the first match, because he screwed up again, Hulk Hogan. So Hulk Hogan's brought out by Alexa <laughs> Bliss. Hold on, hold on. So, so first of all, yes, he made fun of the fact that he screwed it up four years or five years earlier at WrestleMania 30. He said uh, the Silver Dome instead of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And then he comes out at MetLife Stadium and says, it's great to be back in the Silver Dome. Of course, like, okay, he gets booed there like he was just poking fun. He's like, I'm just messing around. It's great to be here at the MetLife Center. And then everybody, everybody boos again. I'm like, all right, so he screwed up MetLife Center or MetLife Stadium again. So now he's going to say, he's just like, all right, if you're, uh, what you going to do, brother, when WrestleMania runs wild on you? I'm like, wait a minute. You screwed it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. you legitimately screwed it up. Yeah, 100%. The MetLife Center? Like, you don't realize that you're in a stadium? An outdoor football stadium? A capacity of 85,000 people. It's a stadium. It's MetLife Stadium. It's very, it's very, like, why can't you get these names right? It's very simple. In fact, on each side of the stadium at the top. It was in the shot. It was in the shot. When he said MetLife Center, it was in the shot. It said MetLife Stadium at the top of the stadium. Big, bold block letters at the top of every side of the stadium. It says MetLife Stadium. What an idiot. Hey, Hulk. Yeah, yeah. But then, so they're doing their thing, flexing their muscles, whatever muscles Alexa Bliss really has. Uh, And then Paul Heyman just comes out of nowhere. And I guess Hulk Hogan didn't realize that Lesnar and Rollins was on first, so he's kind of like, what the fuck? You know? Heyman comes to the ring. You kind of expected, like, okay, Heyman's coming out. We're going to get Lesnar and Rollins to kick off the show. And then Heyman basically says, if we're not last, we're not going to waste our time waiting in the back. We're going to get this over with. So we got Lesnar, Rollins, and right off the bat, Lesnar just starts kicking the shit out of Seth Rollins. You're like, oh, here we go again. 
before the bell even rings, F5, suplex, tossing him over the announce table, uh, gets in the ring, bell rings, suplex, 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 uh, goes for the F5, uh, Rollins pushes Lesnar into the referee, low blow, three curb stomps, like, typical Lesnar match right there, Lesnar, uh, Gets hit with someone's finisher and doesn't go down. Gets hit with someone's finisher again, doesn't go down again. Gets hit with someone's finisher again, then finally goes down. So, one, two, three, curb stomps. Rollins gets the one, two, three win. Wins the Universal Championship. It looks like Lesnar's gone now, officially. He doesn't have any more (laughs) WWE uh, contract obligations, nothing. And to me, just personally, this pin was a lot more satisfying. Rollins pinning Lesnar. Then Reigns pinning Lesnar at SummerSlam. I feel like Lesnar even like kicked out at like 3.1 seconds in that match with Roman Reigns. So like wasn't like a satisfying pin. The one against Rollins was a satisfying pin. In my opinion, like both were not satisfying matches. They both weren't. No, they were. They were your prototypical Brock Lesnar match. Like he didn't want to do anything creative. He just wanted to do his two move sets and then hit me with your finishers and that's it. I want to get out of here. It's dumb. It's dumb. That's not a champion, man. It's not a champion. And that was only his second title defense since winning the title at Crown Jewel in October. The Universal Championship is just a paper championship until proven otherwise. Roman Reigns held it for four weeks. He couldn't... He didn't have time to... He would have been a good champion, I think, though. Yeah, he didn't have time. Seth Rollins, I think, will be champion for a long time. Even up to, like, another year. Honestly, I think, no. I think that'd be such a mistake. They can't have these super long. They should go six months at the most, and change it. You can't have one top guy for over a year. That's how the show gets stale. That's how talent gets stuck in the mid card. When you have one guy on top who stays at the top, who just and people just keep coming up the the ranks to face this one top guy. That's that's how that's how it gets stale. You need a new main event picture every now and then. Well, the thing is with Monday Night Raw, they don't have that many main event guys that you could turn to. Plus, with well, the yeah, shakeup like, coming up, like, it's going to shake up, of course, like superstar shakeup. Has it already begun? Like Strowman was on SmackDown, McIntyre was on SmackDown. Yeah, there were a lot of weird moves. So Strowman and uh, McIntyre on SmackDown. Sheamus and Cesaro were on Raw. The New Day was on Raw. Honestly, if they wanted to push this whole Kofi Kingston thing, I could see Biggie and Xavier Woods going to Smack, or to Raw and then Kofi staying on SmackDown. That way, that way you yeah, break up the New Day without gonna, actually breaking up the New Day. Like, what are they gonna do? They can't give him SOS as a theme song again. They can't go back to that. The yeah. whole Jamaican thing is dead. They can go back to that. Why can't they? I mean, they could just use the song, but they can't use that character. No, the, I mean, the Jamaican character only lasted, like, a year or two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, but he's, st- like... Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's a solid point. It's, I mean, it's, that whole SOS thing, though, is, it's like a Jamaican song. That The New Day have poked fun at, I feel like, more than one time, so I don't know. I think that's why they're just keeping them together. But regardless... Yeah, like, I feel like he'll keep the New Day music even if they separate. But regardless, uh, Rollins beats Lesnar. Raw finally has a universal champion. And that led to the second match of the night that I predicted was going to be the second match on the show for, like, two months. 
Randy Orton, AJ Styles. Uh, fantastic match like everybody expected. You saw an RKO, phenomenal forearm. Didn't see a Styles clash. Uh, one section of MetLife Stadium didn't see the match at all because there was a giant beaming light. You know when you go to events and sometimes some of the lights will be on and you're like, uh, are they going to turn it off? Yeah, and the, yeah. and they never turned it off, so they missed the entire match. Really? Like where? The, the, no. the entire time they were chanting, "Turn the lights off," and they never did. Styles wins uh, after the match. Orton takes to Twitter saying, "Sorry for that one section. You didn't see anything. You missed a great fucking match." On behalf of WWE, we apologize. That sucks. I know exactly what you mean because all those lights move around. And like after an entrance, we'll just stop, and wherever they stop is where they stop. We've been though. We've been in that boat before. Absolutely. Uh, it happened to me at the Rumble in the Royal Rumble match. I'm like, are they gonna turn this light off? I can't see shit. It's just like a giant beaming light that blinds you, and they forget yeah. to turn it off. <laughs> I feel like it happens at every show. They're just chanting, "Turn the lights off," yeah, well, and then they never do. Like, eventually, halfway through the match, they never turn the lights off in this instance. You know what NXT does? They turn, like, there's no crowd lights during the matches. They just turn, and they turn all the stage lights off. Like, the only lights that are See, on are the ring lights. Because Paul Levesque knows. Vince McMahon's been doing the same thing he's been doing since he took it over from Vince and Jay McMahon. Yeah. Nothing changes. It's just, that's... Why it's stale. That's why there's nothing new, no creative storylines. But Triple H does know what he's doing, that's for sure. He puts on a great show every week. But uh, Styles beats Orton. That feud's probably far from over. Uh, and then yeah. you get to a tag team match. Usos retain. Nothing, like, not a, nothing against those guys. Very talented. Ricochet, Aleister Black, uh, Nakamura, Rusev, the Usos. It's just like tag team matches don't really interest me. Like, it's good wrestling, but there's no story behind it, so I'm really not that intrigued. It was kind of just yeah. thrown together, filler match, give the crowd a break a little bit. Well, I think they screwed up. Like, they, like I think the Dr. Thugonomics thing was cool with Elias, but they should have. Undertaker was at Mania. Why do that whole th- segment on Raw the next night? How, how much better would that pop have been if he said. The next person to interrupt me is a dead man at WrestleMania and have the gauntlet. Like, what's wrong with doing that? Or what's wrong with doing Hardys versus Usos? That's why, that's, you were talking about the tag team match. Everybody wanted Hardys, Usos at WrestleMania. And then you give the Hardys the tag team titles on SmackDown? Why? You could have made the show so much stronger if you just gave the fans what they wanted when they wanted it. Well, that's what I was talking about, all these head-scratching moves. You have that one. Like, the Hardy Boys should have not been in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. No! Neither should have Braun Strowman. And to me, I was watching the pre-show, like because it, it was right before Mania started, and they have the panel with uh, Coach and Booker T and Beth Phoenix, whoever was up there, and uh, the Hardy Boys came out to their entrance. They showed the entrance. I'll be like, all right, we're going to kick off this match right after this uh, message from the guys at the panel, guys. And they talked for like another 15 minutes while the Hardy Boys music was playing still in the background while everybody was just waiting in the ring, waiting for the panel to turn it back over to the broadcasters to start the match. So everybody was just standing in the ring while the Hardy Boys music played on a loop for 15 minutes. That's so bad. The fans were probably just thinking like, what the hell is going on? 
And it just didn't stop. Well, yeah, because obviously, I like at when you're there at a live event, they don't they don't put the panel up on the screen, so you don't know. No, but at the same time, like if you're like a diehard fan, you're like, oh, they're probably like showing something. But like seriously, fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes, I have to hear Danny, 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 Danny. Like even Matt and Jeff have to be in the ring. Like, all right, stop playing the fucking music. hundred percent, probably. Well, usually, like in the crowd, you know that the panel's talking because those lights will go on because they have their own set of lights in front of the panel and they those pop on. That's usually like what I know. Like at SummerSlam, they have that panel. Their panel is at like what the Honda Center is that what it's called? I guess, you know where they put the panel at the Barclays Center. I think it's called like the Honda's Honda VIP Lounge or something. But they do it like behind the ring, and that's they just had like um, two sets of like like stage lights almost, and they'll, they'll just they'll fly on. And that's how you know uh, the panel's talking. But yeah, I hate when they do that shit. Or, like, uh, you know they go on to commercial when you're at, like, a SmackDown or Raw because it'll be, like, someone's entrance and then, like, the lights will just turn off and then, like, a WWE Network commercial will come on and then the lights will come back on and their song, like, continues from where it left off as if their entrance lasted the entire commercial break. Or if you're at a pay-per-view and uh, (laughs) their entrance music's playing forever, you're like, oh, they're probably going over, like, the 58 announced teams that they have. Here's the German announced team. Here's... The Japanese announce team. Here's the Scottish announce team. So Here's funny. the English announce team. They, when they started, if you look behind them, they're at like the corner of the stage. And by the time they get to the end, like say it's like before WrestleMania, you can see like the WrestleMania sign above the last team. They like go down the entire side of the arena. Oh, yeah. In different panels. Like the old, still, like the only one I know is like Carlos Rodriguez and then, of course, Funaki. Funaki's, Funaki's the last one, and that's the only pop that, that they get. Because he just goes, yeah, he like puts his fist up. He's like, wrestling! <laughs> and everybody goes bananas. And, <laughs> yeah, but like that's where, like at least just stop the music. Right? Show the fans what's going on. Like, show the panel on the big screen. Show something so we know what's happening. Just don't play their music for 15 minutes to the point where everybody's like, so, is this the entire show? Do they have nothing else planned? But anyway, the Usos retain their tag team titles, and I guess it was a pretty good tag team wrestling match. But the next match that took place was arguably the match of the night before Kingston and Bryan, and that was Shane McMahon versus The Miz in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Not because of the wrestling technicians that they aren't in Shane McMahon and The Miz and George Mizanin, for that matter, but for the storyline. Like, they used the storyline and the match stipulation to their advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I had had Sean over watching WrestleMania with me, and... You know, he, he's not a constant wrestling fan, of of course, but, like, he was even saying, like, during the... Or, I think he said this after the promo, just watching the promo. He's like, you know, I, I feel like The Miz has always just been on top of his game. Like, he's always just been one of the most talented wrestlers, but one of the most underappreciated wrestlers. I'm like, you hit... You, you nailed that. He obviously doesn't get... The pushes he deserved. I, I'm happy with where he is right now in his career, though. 
I mean, he it was a promo like two or three weeks before WrestleMania. Him basically saying like, you might own this company, you don't own me. Like, I'm a success story. Like, I wasn't supposed to be here. Nobody thought I was going to be here. I was supposed to yeah. flip burgers at my dad's burger joint. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. And again, like, he is always on top of his game. Promo-wise, he's he stays sharp. He always knows what to say. Wrestling, yeah. he's not a great technical wrestler. I, I wouldn't say that. I think he's a, like a very talented professional wrestler. He does all the moves, all like all the basic moves that need to be done to a T. He always does them to a T. You don't see a lot of Miz botches. Like, I feel like that, um, that spot at Mania where they did the vertical suplex off the top of the scaffold in the, uh, by the, all the cameramen, which was insane. It was like a 15-foot drop. Oh, yeah, it got a huge bump, too. That was, like, his first, like, insane bump that he's ever taken. Because he's, he's, so. he's not a high flyer. Like, it's awkward when you see him jump off the top rope every now and then. Like, yes. he, he never does, like, a frog splash. He doesn't, uh, well, he doesn't dive through the ropes. Yeah. The, well, the way they had the camera set up, they had, like, the a camera guy on top of the scaffold, too. And it was, like... He was behind the Miz, so you saw the Miz's back and Shane facing the Miz. I thought the Miz was just gonna throw him off that thing. Well, that's what it seems. So like Miz threw him, like literally, like pushed him off that. Uh, it was like that barricade, and there was a golf cart there, and Shane was supposed to fall straight to the concrete again, like ten feet to the ground. I don't know how this guy takes so many bumps like this. He hits off the top of the golf cart and then like stumbles down to the. To the concrete, but then yeah, goes all the way up to the scaffold, vertical suplexes him, insane moment, probably like the biggest spot in WrestleMania, and then just by the way they landed, Shane ends up being on top of the Miz and gets the one two three in like the biggest heel win that you could possibly have. And you think that was a script? Like that was that's how it was supposed to end that match? Probably, but at the same time, I feel like the Miz needed that win. He needed like that signature WrestleMania win over a McMahon, nonetheless. And the way it ends, like the Miz won that match. He had it won with that move. How confused do you think fans were? Like when you're the one, two, three, and then ding, 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 and all yours. Here comes the money. Like, you know, uh, they got that wrong. Start playing the Miz's music. Oh, they messed up. They messed up bad. They messed <laughs> up bad. That happens. You know, Baron Corbin beat Kurt Angle. They messed up big time there. Yeah, but no, yeah. So Shane McMahon continues that. I guess they're going to continue the rivalry. So the Miz yeah. will probably come back. They'll have another phenomenal match at Extreme Rules, the next pay per view, probably in like some crazy probably like a last man standing or something, or like a ladder match. You know, um, for like Miz's dad's hair or something. <laughs> that was another great spot. George Mazanin getting in the ring, having no idea how to put his fists up. Shane rearranging his fists. That was that was so funny. That was cool. That was a cool moment for the Miz and his dad. It's funny because the Miz looks nothing like his dad. He doesn't really look like his mom either. Uh, he has his mom's smile, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, he looks. I mean, I don't know who looks like George Mazanin. No. <laughs> Well, who knows what Georgie looked like when he was in his mid-30s, late-30s. 
I mean, the Miz's daughter looks exactly like the Miz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The faux hawk, the like, the literally, she does that smirk on her face every time you see like Marie's post Instagram photos, like exactly like the Miz. <laughs> that's so funny. That's true. Yeah, no, that suplex was definitely the biggest spot of Mania, hundred percent. And again, just by the way they landed, Shane ends up picking up the win. They'll probably have another great match at Extreme Rules. Next match was the women's tag team title match. You know what we like to call the uh, piss break match. <laughs> That'll never change. Even though, yeah, like, even though they're great wrestlers, like women's wrestling is bigger than it's ever been. But like, still to me, like a tag team women's match, like it just doesn't excite me. So it was Sasha Banks, Bailey, Beth Phoenix came out of retirement to team with Natalia. You had the Iconics, and then you had Nia Jackson, Tamina. So basically, the entire match, the Iconics weren't involved at all, from what I hear. And then Beth Phoenix hits the Glam Slam. Is that? How you- I think so. Glam slam from the top rope. She's the Glamazon, so I'm assuming. The glam slam from the top rope on Bailey hits it, and then the Iconics throw out of the ring and pick up the one, two, three for their first ever championship win. And they totally totally broke kayfabe, by the way, after the match. They started crying in the middle of the ring, which is completely understandable. First ever WrestleMania, they win a title. That's how they are. The Iconics are super dramatic. But um, I I didn't have a problem with the Iconics going over. They were kind of an underdog in that match. No one really thought they would actually go over. But I wish they would have went over in a more fashionable way. You know, if they actually like deserved a victory and it was a cool match. But of course that didn't happen. It never happens. I mean, again, that's not like... A signature moment in WrestleMania, another filler match. Like the tag team match are meant to entertain you, but they're not supposed to be like the I can't wait to be for that a match. match. Of the night. No. And it's always been that way. Like even at WrestleMania 17, that, that uh, tag team ladder match, Hardys versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys, that was supposed to just be another like entertaining match of that night to fill a spot. And it ended up being probably the match of the night. WrestleMania 17, I couldn't tell you the whole card, but um, obviously that's one of the most famous WrestleMania tag team matches in history. But, yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's different now. Like, obviously, obviously there's no, there's no team out there like the Hardys anymore that are going to be as successful. You know, now that the Shield's officially over, here's a question for you. Do you think that there will ever be ever be like another um iconic tag team stable in the wwe specifically yeah i mean you probably didn't think there was going to be anything like the nexus after he saw that and then the shield is formed and immediately when the shield was formed they were kind of like all right so they're just putting three guys together they're putting a football player with like two like has been indie guys right so no nobody thought that would ever become like huge huge so yeah, definitely one day down the road, and they're definitely you know they're gonna try to. Yeah, for sure. Well, they they failed with um, sanity that didn't go over well. The Wyatt family, the Wyatt family, to me, like they were dominant when they were together, but they like got back together like four different times. So yeah, they kind of you know they ended up doing that with the Shield too. Uh, well, yeah, but the four, the last time, so the last time. 
So the first time they got back together, I thought it was way too premature. Like, it was three years after, but at the same time, they came back to take down The Miz, Sheamus, and Cesaro. Like, they could have done so much better. This should have been, like, a dominant faction to come up that only The Shield could take down, you know? Like, I don't know what team that would have been, but, like, that was not the right time to do it. No, you should have kept Sanity and Developmental because that could have been the team to do it. Or maybe uh, Adam Cole's group, you know? The the shock system. That would have been amazing. The Undisputed Undisputed Era. The Undisputed Era would be incredible against the Shield. But we'll never find out because Dean Ambrose is officially gone. Who knows where he's going to go? Is Rousey officially gone? No, she's still under contract, but she's taking a hiatus. She's the new Lesnar now that Lesnar's gone. And it's looking like Lesnar's going to fight Daniel Cormier on August 17th for UFC 241. So that, that'll be interesting. Location hasn't been named yet, so who knows where it's going to be. If it's a Barclays Center, that I will go to. I'll do my best. But uh, the next match on the card, so the next matches we got to recap is, of course, Kingston versus Bryan, which was the match of the night. You had the Dr. Thugonomics segment. You had um, Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin, Reigns, McIntyre. Basically all those filler matches until you got to the end. You had Triple H, Batista, which was better than I honestly thought it was going to be. And then, you, of course, you had the main event. But before then, let's take a brief intermission from talking about this and get to a segment that you had actually done before the O-Down segment, which we'll finish with. This segment on the O-Show podcast is called Storytime. Storytime. So you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Mine's very short. It actually took place today. I just thought it was a cool story for for uh, for those baseball fans out there listening. So today um, we played one of our rival teams. Um, unfortunately, we lost nine seven, but in the, the third or the fourth inning, I think um, my friend James, who's not a very big kid. He's got a very powerful swing, very aggressive player, but he's not a very big kid. He comes up to me. I'm sitting on the bench, you know, and my bat's next to me. And he comes up to me and he goes, he goes, yo. I'm like, what's up? He's like, I'm using your shaft today. I'm going to drop a bomb with it. Watch. And I shit you not, he gets up there. First pitch, he, he hooks it foul, but it was a shot. It was a shot. And we're like, oh, attaboy, attaboy, Turkus, attaboy. His name is James Turkus. Second pitch, same spot. He absolutely destroys it. Um, I'm not going to lie, off the bat, I didn't think it was gone. I don't think anyone thought it was gone. But it, it just carried and it got out, and he was like basically jumping around the bases, and everyone freaked out. And it was just a cool moment. It was his first high school home run. Um, yeah, that wasn't a very exciting story. No, it wasn't a funny story. They're supposed to be funny. Oh. Uh, you just said story. I, I, I couldn't just think of a story off the top story, of my head. It's basically like an embarrassing Ridic- story of yourself. That's what it's supposed to be. You completely botched the segment. 
I didn't botch it at all. Botchamania. All you said was tell a story. Embarrassing story. The other day in history, uh, we were, it wasn't the other day, it was like a couple weeks ago, we were reading maps and he was, and it was like a World War, like a post-World War One map compared to pre-World War One, and he was asking us, all right, now look at the maps, see the differences, what are all the new countries that are formed, specifically in the Middle East after this? Everyone's raising their hands saying the simple ones, they're like, they're like Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, and I'm like, uh, this one, I've never even heard the name. It's, and I'm, I'm saying this in front of the whole class. I'm like, I'm like, Mesopotamia? And he's like, Mesopotamia? I'm like, oh! Yep. There you have and it, then, folks. And then, and then I tried to say it back to him. I don't know why I had such a hard time with Mesopotamia that day, but I tried to say it back to him. I'm like, oh, my bad, Mesopotamia. And I just screwed it up again. He's like, Mesopotamia. And I was like, Mesopotamia. It's so embarrassing. Everybody laughed. And it happens, though. Well, I hope the people listening to this laugh. I hope. I didn't know I was supposed to tell a funny story. I just thought I was supposed to tell a, a story. Well, now you know. That's one of our segments. On our podcast. I know that's one of our segments. It's just called story time. It's not called fun and embarrassing story time. <laughs> it's not supposed to be. So my story took place like three weeks ago. Uh, I was going to work at Tempe Diablo Stadium for spring training. And uh, I got, I ordered an Uber. So this Uber driver... I think it was my car. It ended up being my car, but at the time I thought it was my car. I get, I'm in, I'm waiting at the corner. The car pulls up, rolls down the window. It's usually like, oh, are you Jack? Like, yeah, are you Yik Yak? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> this guy, this guy was looking like way past me, and he was looking like I was at, looking at my phone, so I didn't realize he was there. He was just like, Rick, hey. Fucking Rick, get in the car. And I'm looking, I'm like looking around, I'm like, who the fuck is Rick? I'm not Rick. He's like, Rick, are you Rick? I'm like, no, I'm not Rick. He's like, oh. And then he looks down at his dashboard, he's like, are you Jack? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, who the hell is this Rick guy? He's one of his buddies. So uh, I open up the door, I'm like, how are you? He's like, oh, I'm pretty good. There was a baby seat at the door I opened. So I'm like, oh, I'll just get on the other side. So I throw my backpack in, close the door. I guess he wasn't looking. All he heard was the backpack get in the car. So he figured I was in the car. So as I'm like going around to the other side, he takes off down the street. No. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally running down the street like, dude, I'm not in the car. And he stopped at a stop sign. So I had to get all like I literally jogged all the way down the road. By a stop sign. Or he Wait, finally did he pick, stopped. Did he pick you up at campus? Yeah. And then halfway down the street, I get in the car, I open up the door, and he's talking like having a normal conversation as if I was sitting in the car with him. That was like a decent three blocks that I had to run. And he thought I was in the, in the car the entire time. Yeah. That's rough. See, that's a funny story that people will laugh at. 
You never once said that it had to be a funny story until I already screwed up. You've you. done the segment before. Yeah, and that was like, but that was like a genuine conversation that, that was during the creation of the segment. You decided to make that a segment after we like veered off and ended up telling funny stories. All right, I fine. That wasn't story time. It's my fault, not yours, but this was this edition of story time, nonetheless. So, Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. Match of the night, yay or nay? Yay. Yay all day. Definitely. Yay all day for the new day. Yay all day for the new day, yes it is. Uh, I think I think about 95% of wrestling fans knew that um, Kofi was going over in that match. Like, I, it was obvious, but, you know, I still think it was the match of the night, performance-wise. I think, uh, what I originally thought going in, so, Becky Lynch winning the title was inevitable, right? She was going to go over yeah. against Rousey and Flair, regardless if it was Flair or Rousey who took the pin. And then, I thought it was either going to be Rollins or Kofi. I didn't think that, that all three titles were going to change hands. Not all three mega titles. Um... So Seth Rollins beats Lesnar at the very beginning of the show. After that, I'm like, all right, so Daniel Bryan's definitely going over in this match. Like, you're either going to see, like, a heelish Daniel Bryan move where he picks up the win or the New Day has, like, an epic heel turn on Kofi Kingston. So the whole buildup to the entire match was phenomenal. They portrayed the B-plus player storyline, which is ironic with Daniel Bryan because he was the B-plus player. I guess all of a sudden he's an A-plus player now. Uh, but great back-and-forth technical wrestling match. Daniel Bryan, an amazing heel. Who thought that a year ago we would have been seeing the most underrated heel in da- in Daniel Bryan, who's a, like as pure as a babyface gets, like as pure as John Cena, yeah. to facing a guy like Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. So, great technical wrestling match. Kofi Kingston ends up hitting him with the Trouble in Paradise. Gets the 1-2-3. Celebrates with his kids in the ring. Uh, They toss away the organic hemp ace bandage WWE championship that Daniel Bryan brought into the mix. And it is just that, like a giant ace bandage. And then Daniel Bryan, like, went out to his backyard and carved some wood. And, like, gorilla glued it onto the ace bandage. And called it a championship belt. And then they brought back the old championship with Kofi's plates on it. Uh, gave him new t-shirts, whatever the hell else New Day did. But phenomenal build-up, phenomenal match. Definitely the storyline and the match of the night. Right sure. right in front of Shane McMahon and The Miz. Sure, sure. I, I'd still say Shane and The Miz had the best storyline going into Mania. But... Brian Kofi was definitely the match of the night. Biggest pop, too. Hashtag Kofi Mania. 
And he got his moment, like, he held up the title, they did the whole fireworks around MetLife Stadium, it was the whole shebang, he got his moment, good for Kofi Kingston after 11 years in the business, first ever WWE title shot, becomes WWE champion at WrestleMania. The only thing I didn't like about that victory was the whole time, the whole storyline was centered around nothing but his career. About and how he was—he's been here for eleven years and he's never gotten this big break, and now he finally has. But as soon as they, as soon as, you know, they rang the bell, I heard Corey saying stuff like, "It's—it's it's shown right in front of you that no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, you can achieve greatness and stuff." I just thought it was kind of lousy how they. I knew I knew they were gonna end up throwing in something about race if he went over. I just I just don't understand why they need to incorporate, you know, modern social issues into the content. Well, I guess he is the first ever African American WWE champion, which is bizarre at this point that nobody else has won it. It's two thousand nineteen, and then nobody else has come across. I guess Bobby Lashley would have been the first if they pushed him against Lesnar at SummerSlam, but they didn't. Well, yeah, yeah, Ginger Mahal was the first Indian champion. Correct. Uh, but yeah, regardless, whatever, how, where, however they want to spin it, Kofi Kingston gets his huge moment. That led to, um, I think they did Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio next, which was, they went from the best match of the night to the worst match of the night. Beat him in under 60 seconds. Literally, Ray probably had like one offensive move, and then Samoa Joe put him to sleep, night-night, tucked him in. You know, that was it. But at the same time, Ray Mysterio was not 100%. He was hurt, so they couldn't really do much there. Yeah. Which sucks. He did hurt his ankle on SmackDown, was it, a few weeks before? Uh, something like that. I just know he was hurt. Maybe it was a live event. That or like Fastlane or something. Which, yeah, it's unfortunate, but there's nothing you could do about that. I don't blame WWE for that, for that match. That was, that was really all they could do. And then that led to Reigns versus McIntyre. So Reigns versus McIntyre, because you really cannot elaborate on Rey Mysterio versus Samoa Joe. It really did nothing. Uh, but that led to Reigns-McIntyre. Reigns, of course, had to pick up the win here. It was his first singles match in six months since uh, coming back from uh, leukemia, back in remission. Uh, Drew McIntyre, obviously, like, the biggest pushed heel at the moment in WWE, at least on Raw. Mm -hmm. So it was a slow, methodical match back and forth. Didn't really have any fire to it. Reigns picks up the spear and the win. To me, it was like a Raw main event type match between two very talented guys who could have made it Ten times better if they wanted to. Yeah, well, once again, I don't think it comes down to whether or not they want to. I, I'm sure they do. It's it, it comes down to what Vince allows, and for whatever reason, on the main roster, there are a lot more limitations to what you can and cannot do in the ring, as opposed to NXT, where there's a lot more creative freedom in the moves you're allowed to do and the risks you're allowed to take. So Reigns picks up the win, and I want to say a mediocre win, but it was it was not a great five star match like it could have been capable of, which led to a segment that was five star capable, and that was the Elias and John Cena segment 
Elias comes out uh, with the guitar. He has two Eliases on the screen, one playing the piano, one... Um, playing the drums. The drums, which he was both very bad at. Like, way yeah. better at the guitar than he is anything else. <laughs> uh, but they have, like, a little... Uh, they get a little beat going, you know? Wasn't phenomenal. It's not like you and your buddies in the basement, but it sufficed at WrestleMania in front of 85,000 people. And then they start playing the whole Babe Ruth video where Babe Ruth calls his shot at Wrigley Field. They're thinking, like, what is this? Like, who's coming out right now? You knew it was someone big. Like, Babe Ruth, Yankees, maybe it's The Undertaker. The Babe Ruth, the WWE, maybe it's Cena. And then the Dr. Thugonomics music hits, and you're kind of like, okay, this is cool. Like, it's going to be awesome. You know, Cena's going to bury, like, literally bring out the shovel and bury Elias here <laughs> with what he says on the mic here. But at the same time, it's not what you wanted, because now you know Cena's not facing Angle, which is what everybody was waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still thought the, the whole Thugonomics thing was really cool. It was a cool angle, but then again, I don't think it was a necessarily a WrestleMania-caliber angle. You know, like, they had the Doctor of Thugonomics come back to do, uh, like, the to, to promote Cena Rock back before WrestleMania 28. And that was cool then. Not saying that the segment wasn't cool. I thought it was very cool, and it actually went over very well. It would have been a lot smarter if they were already planning on doing that Undertaker segment with Elias the next night. They might as well have done it at WrestleMania and then had Angle face Cena. Would have made perfect sense. I couldn't have said it better myself there. Undertaker misses WrestleMania for the first time in 20 years for nothing. He was there. They just didn't have anything booked for him. You saw he was there healthy, probably in the best ring shape he's been in since, like, 2010. Yeah, he looks, Honestly, he looks incredible. I mean, he looks old as hell. Don't get me wrong. Like, when well, his gong well, hit... He wasn't, he wasn't ill. Yeah, obviously, his hairline is receding terribly. When his so. gong hit, you were pumped, but then you got less hyped when you realized he looks like an aging crab. Like, he looks like Mr. Krabs without his shell in that one episode where he gets together with all of his buddies from, like, from, like, uh, boat school or whatever. No, like, I don't think... He didn't look. I, he looked amazing on Raw. He looked like he was in incredible shape. He he wasn't wearing any uh, mascara or whatever. So obviously no, that that's that's probably what ruined it. His crusty eyes. Yeah, yeah. Plus, probably. he's on Instagram and Twitter now, so like he loses that mystique character. Like yeah, he, he posted a picture of himself right before he went out in the gorilla position from Raw that night, saying like I'm back. You know. Yeah. So, like, he loses that mystique by becoming, like, every other teenager in our generation posting pictures on Instagram and Twitter. But if you missed WrestleMania, again, this probably could have happened on Raw, too, but if you missed WrestleMania, here's John Cena basically getting out the golden shovel and burying Elias. Kill the beat, kill the beat, kill the beat, kill the beat. Everyone's freaking out. Because he knew he was about to drop bombs on this guy. All the kids out there who just know John Cena for the C-Nation leader are like, uh, what happened to John Cena? All the older generation fans are tearing up. They're like, Cena's back. The doctor's back. 
that poor Elias just got the worst deal. Because you standing in the ring when John Cena about to turn heel. Though he didn't turn heel because he was probably one of the most over guys on the night. Silence your cell phone, hold your applause, shut your mouth, and no string plucks. Feel like I'm watching one of my movies because this whole damn thing sucks. Yeah, I guess he's right. He buried himself there. This means walk with Elias? Nah, I'm not really feeling it. Because without the guitar, what it really means is wasted wrestling experiment. Golden shovel. I'm a bad Start digging. Man, my style like a pit bull, bitch you. And you ain't even half a dog. You just a little piece of shit suit. <laughs> Shut up, Renee. She's not a great commentator. She jumps in at the worst times, like as if one of us were doing it. Like, oh man! You know? Yeah, I know, as if she's just watching I'd ask them to do a duet, but you just put it on the shelf. Because everybody here just saw you only like playing with yourself. Literally, but everybody got and the joke. They So I'm about to bury your push. Your face looks like my nuts. Except you got a hairier bush. <laughs> Every single rhyme there like was awesome. My welcome. It's about time that I left you. So there'll be no AA for today. But you about to get the F you. Just brilliant. Deserves a round of applause. If we had a sound effect, it would get that, but it'll get my applause. I wonder if there were a, a lot of young fans who didn't even know the FU existed. I'm sure. I'm sure there were a lot of young fans. That was back in, like, the latter stages of the Attitude Era. The latter stages? Yeah, like, yeah. the very end, like, when it transitioned over to PG. Yeah, well, the FU, I think they got rid of the FU... In like 2007 or something like that. Like literally, like when he did the five knuckle shuffle, it's like when he did it back then. It's not like he like went up against the ropes, did the whole thing. Like he, it literally looked like it was like 2006 again, the mm -hmm. way he did it. And then he, when he grabbed uh, Elias for what was the fu back then, he literally like grabbed him by the arm and did it. Where usually these days he kind of just lifts him with his shoulder, you know? Lifts him with the shoulder and grabs the head, yeah. That's true. It was. It was a cool throwback. It was a really cool moment. Great moment, like we said, like, not complaining about it. It's just not what we wanted. And then yeah. that led to, um, after Reigns and McIntyre, I think that was time for Triple H and Batista. So this was the match I was most looking forward to, just because it was Batista's in-ring return, no holds barred, last match ever. You know he's probably going to put it all on the line. Triple H's career is on the line, which is ironic because it was the exact same match and stipulation from WrestleMania 29 at MetLife Stadium. So Triple H versus Batista, no holds barred, Triple H's career on the line. WrestleMania 29 was Triple H versus Brock Lesnar, no holds barred with Triple H's career on the line. And Triple H ends up winning both of them. Yeah. But Batista... Well, so everybody knew 
Hunter was going over. Oh, Not necessarily. I mean, that would be like the casual fan. Like, obviously, he's going to go over. This is Batista's last match regardless. Everybody knew that because he retired the next day. But Triple H, if he lost that match, like, I don't think he'd be upset. Like, all right, I'm done. Like, I don't even think he wanted to work WrestleMania. He had the torn pec, and he was kind of like, all right, this year's going to be easier. I just get to watch it from backstage, operate backstage with production. And Vince is like, no, I need you to work Mania, which made his life, like, ten times more difficult. I think during the uh, post-fight interview backstage, he said, all right, so if that was my last time wrestling, um, I'm okay with that. But if I want to wrestle again, at least it's on my terms. Yeah. So he might become the Undertaker now and only wrestle every WrestleMania for the next few years. I mean, if if Vince wants him to work the Saudi Arabia events, he's going to work the Saudi Arabia events. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) So at the end of the day, it's not his decision. It's Vince's decision, whatever he wants. Uh, But... Yeah, it was, a, it was a good match. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. I thought Batista was drunk out of his mind coming in. Like, he had a pretty cool, like, movie star entrance with the uh, black Chevy Tahoes, the security. But he came into the ring. He was stumbling. He, he was, just looked obnoxious. I'm like, is he, dr- like, is he drunk? Is he high? Like, he got into the ring, and he completely tripped through the ropes. And then he stumbled hey, his way. Nervous. It was his first match since 2014 in front of 85,000 people. He's done it before. He did it for, like, nearly 15 years before. Yeah, I know, but after you step out of the ring for, you know, over four years, you kind of, it's not like, it's not like you don't get that adrenaline. I bet he was uncomfortable. And Triple H, of course, has, like, his whole plan-designed entrance. Like, I feel like going into WrestleMania every year, like, a lot of the superstars' entrances are normal entrances, but Triple H is like, all right, creative, let's get together. How are we going to make my entrance better from the year before? I didn't really get the reference this year. No, neither did I. I feel like it was from some Marvel movie that we're missing, and I don't have the patience to look it up, but like, I, it was like basically motorcycles. I thought he was just going to come out on another motorcycle, which he kind of did. He was just in the back. He wasn't driving this time. Um... Came out with the torch, which was pretty cool. Uh, but match gets underway. A lot more uh, gory than I thought it was going to be early on. So Triple H starts whipping Batista with a chain. I didn't think that was going to happen. Triple H plucks his ear, his uh, nose ring out. Didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I'm shocked Dave Batista agreed to do that because that's not something that they can, like, put together. Like, we're just going to tape it. It's going to be like a, a sticker. Like, no, you actually had to, like, claw that thing out of his nose, and his nose started bleeding. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Well, was, like, like you said before, it was his last match, so he put everything he had into it. I, I thought the spear uh, through the announce table was a cool spot. I thought, like, you would think a move like that would be the biggest spot of the night, which, or the biggest spot in the match, which I say, like, it kind of was, but the, the chain whipping was pretty brutal, and obviously the nose ring was pretty brutal. So the match was definitely way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought that match was going to be, like, a total joke. And then Ric Flair comes out at the end and basically hands Triple H the sledgehammer. Um, yeah. There were a couple times in that match, though, where I thought Batista was actually going to win. 
Like when he kicked out of that first pedigree after uh, Triple H power bombed him into the steel steps, he went for the pedigree right away. I thought that was it. When Batista kicked out, I'm like, he might actually go over. This might actually be a retirement match. But Triple H ends up picking up the win. His career's intact. Honestly, he only has a few matches left in him, for being yeah. honest. Like, I could see him facing AJ Styles and then maybe a few of his NXT guys, and that's it. There's really not much left for him to do. He's faced yeah. almost everybody. Yeah, obviously he has nothing left to prove in the company. So, yeah, he's he's now going to be like an extreme part-timer. He'll probably just do WrestleMania from now on, I bet. WrestleMania and the Saudi Arabia events. Yeah. Because uh, cha-ching, cha-ching. They pay a lot of money for those. <laughs> and uh, that led to the biggest disappointment of the night in Kurt Angle's farewell match against Baron Corbin. So at this point, you're thinking, okay, so it's Undertaker. Undertaker versus Kurt Angle, that's going to be his final match. And then the bell rang, and we're like, holy shit, they're actually going to do this. They're actually mm-hmm. going through with this. Literally, for months, they were asking for John Cena versus Kurt Angle. John Cena had no plans. This wouldn't have hurt any of them. John Cena goes back to Hollywood. Kurt Angle rides off into the sunset. They started their career, or John Cena started his career facing Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's yeah, final match against John Cena. Sense. It made perfect sense, but that's the exact reason they probably didn't do it. Everybody wanted it, though. Like, you're, you're saying you're going to give the fans what they want, like, we're the authority now. Obviously not. Clearly not. Obviously, they're doing this whole Corbin thing because they want to push Corbin as a top heel. Well, the thing is, like, it's not heat, like, it's not heel heat, you know? Like, it's not like, oh, man, this is going to help Baron Corbin because the fans hate him. Like, he's, he's going to be the next top heel. Like, no, everybody legitimately just doesn't like Baron Corbin. We don't think he's good. He's boring. He's, he's boring. Bald. He's, bar- like he's, he's Baron Foreskin. Kid. Let's be honest. He's Baron Foreskin. He has no hair. <laughs> Yeah, he's just he, he's just stale. He's not great on the mic. He's got nothing special or unique to show in the ring. I mean, he like, we- I he wears like a bachelor suit to the ring. Well, yeah, obviously. Well, that's not his fault. That's obviously creative. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they try to take all these stale wrestlers and turn them into top guys. But Baron Corbin goes over clean on Kurt Angle, and then Kurt Angle grabs the mic, and you're thinking, all right. He's like, all right, so that's not exactly how I wanted to go out. I thought it was going to be like, so let's bring out someone else and have another match. But he's just like, all right, this is how I want to go out. I want all 85,000 people to chant, you suck at me, and that's how I want to go out. So uh, hit my music, guys, and let's do it. It's bad. Great thinking. Horrible, horrible content. It was a good show, but that ruined it. You yeah, could have had the icing on the cake with Cena and Angle. I did a number on it. But you can't get it. Even at the Hall of Fame ceremony, John Cena's out there to present the Warrior Award, and they're chanting, face Kurt Angle, face Kurt Angle. And uh, Cena's just like, well, I guess we've entered into the crowd participation part of the show. I don't even know how that makes sense. But that sucked, and then that led to Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley. And I guess everybody knew how that was going to turn out because he was the Demon King, even though yeah. he didn't really have that much face paint on. Let's be honest; they no. kind of they were kind of very lackadaisical. Yeah. yeah, 
And then all of a sudden, I forget what the move was, but Bobby Lashley pummeled Finn Balor to the point where he was like, how can he come back from that? And then Finn Balor, as the Demon King, as only the Demon King knows how, power bombs Bobby Lashley like a Batista bomb. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows that was not Finn Balor power bombing Bobby Lashley. That was Bobby Lashley tucking his head in between Finn Balor's crotch and doing a, a backflip to make it look like a power bomb. Because there's no way Finn Balor no, at 190 no, pounds power bombed a 350 pound beast like Bobby Lashley. You don't, you don't think you don't think Finn Balor can deadlift 350 pounds? That's completely different than power bombing a 350 pound human being. Well, he did lift him. Obviously, there's assistance from the person taking right. the move, but I don't he think he could have gotten him up him. there, though. No, Lashley obviously helped him, but he did lift him for sure. And then gets the Cougar, wins the Intercontinental title for the second time in two months. So Balor is now the Intercontinental champion. And then that led us to the main event, which was Rousey, Lynch, and Flair. And I got to be honest, I was watching a WWE Chronicle on the network right before Mania. It was about Charlotte Flair and how she was basically bitching about being called Ric Flair's daughter and that she's carved her own way and nobody sees it. Here's the way I see it, Charlotte Flair. You literally took his catchphrase, woo. You literally come out to his entrance music. You literally come out to his in-ring attire with the giant robe. Everything that she does mimics him. Of course everybody's just going to think she's Ric Flair's daughter and she's handed everything. She literally mimics everything that he does. The figure eight leg lock. Really? Yeah, come on. Yeah. She has really no place to say that. She's carved her own path. Her whole character is based off of her father. She's in the WWE because of her dad. Like She may have worked really hard to get there. Tremendous athlete. Probably the best athlete in the women's division, no doubt. But like she's there. Like She wouldn't have gotten her chance if she wasn't Ric Flair's daughter. So That's true. And of course, she made the whole uh, helicopter entrance... Which was weird to me because she got out at like one of the landing spots right outside MetLife Stadium and she started walking into the stadium. I'm like, that's going to take like 15 minutes. She's going to have to go through security. She's going to have to go down the steps. She's going to have to find the gorilla position. Like this is going to take forever. But then Joan Jett uh, hits a bad reputation. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, which was a weird moment because Ronda Rousey's like, oh, man, this is awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. She's smiling at uh, Joan Jett, and she immediately turns her head and starts, like, fast-pacing down to the ring. You know how she does that? It's so not intimidating. It's just so bad to look at. Her, like, <laughs> obviously corny, like, pissed-off face. It's bad. It's real bad. And then Charlotte makes her entrance. Becky had the only normal entrance. She didn't really have anything going for her, which was the entire storyline. So I guess on ESPN a few weeks ago, they had the three women on to talk about the first ever WrestleMania women's main event. So they had Ronda Rousey, and her uh, headline underneath was former UFC champion. And then they had Becky Lynch, uh, 2019 Royal Rumble winner. And then they had Charlotte Flair, Ric Flair's daughter. Is that what it said? Which I guess really pissed off Charlotte Flair. She's like, I'm never going back to ESPN again. Do better, ESPN. That's what she said in the Chronicle. 
Your whole character is based off of your dad. Like, like seriously, it. like come out to new music, uh, use a new finisher, uh, come up with a new, a new catchphrase, and everybody will forget that you're Ric Flair's daughter. No, and everyone will forget Charlotte Flair because there's no way she could come up with a, with a solid character on her own. Regardless, the match took place, the main event, the highest anticipated match on the show, no doubt. Probably the best build-up main event that they've had in years. Even though you might not agree, you didn't think that the woman should have main evented WrestleMania? No. No, I do not. Why is that? Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, or in wrestling terms, give it a star out of 5, how good was that WrestleMania main event? How good was the match? It was not good. Exactly. And that proves the point that they just should not, the, the women's division is just not ready to main event WrestleMania. They're just not ready. Sure, the buildup is great. The storyline is great. I don't disagree with that at all. I don't doubt their abilities in the ring, but they just don't have the, uh, the ability yet, the women's division, to put on a WrestleMania main event. And that match proved that point. And uh, so the whole angle at the end there, Rousey goes for the Piper's Pit, just like a fireman's carry into like a reverse F5, which is kind of ironic, comes from UFC. Brock Lesnar was in UFC. But Rousey does the whole Piper's pit move. Lynch reverses it into a roll-up where she pins her uh, shoulders underneath. And at one, Rousey gets her shoulders up, but the ref keeps counting two and three, and then that's the match. Like, nobody in that, in that um, stadium, I almost said arena as if it was the MetLife Center, but at MetLife Stadium, the entire crowd wasn't ready for it, and neither were the wrestlers. Yeah. Like, you, like for a good wrestling match, like you have to anticipate. Like I was anticipating that the main event was going to end via submission. You have the uh, disarmer. You have the arm lock by Ronda Rousey, and you had the figure eight. Like, obviously, it was going to end by submission, right? How awesome would have been if Becky Lynch tapped out Ronda Rousey to end the show? Yeah. Instead, like, instead like, we get a botched, I guess a planned botched finish where Becky Lynch wins the titles. They don't really talk about it, but Ronda basically leaves the ring like, oh, fuck this. You know, like she was like, he screwed up. And I guess uh, it was the referee, uh, Rod Zapata, who screwed up the uh, call. He got an earful from uh, Vince McMahon backstage. Really? Really. And, and uh, Rod Zapata basically was told you completely, like, that's 100%. You're accountable for that. That's your fault. I, I, I just looked at it as a boxed finish. I didn't really have anyone to blame for that. I, I just thought that was, you know. I don't know. I just didn't think that they were ready for that match. Well, regardless, uh, the finish was botched, and there's only one thing you could do when uh, Rod Zapata screws up a call. Because you know what happens, Declan, when you screw up the call in the main event of WrestleMania 35. He deserves. You know what he deserves? Yeah, I do. You know what's going to happen to him? Do it. You got to do it. You know what happens when you... Uh aren't good at your job around here you know what happens when you do things the wrong way around here you know where he belongs i'll tell you right now rod zapata 
WWE official. You just made the list. One of the best ever. Now he's banned from WWE. But regardless, so here's what I, I want to test your brain here, pick your brain here on this theory. My first initial reaction to this after reading multiple reports, so I guess it was a planned botched finish. They want to make it seem like Lynch can't, um, like, defeat Rousey in a fair fight or whatever. Kind of, like, build up for another one-on-one feud, hopefully, because that's the match everybody wanted to see. Uh, but what if WWE, like, the entire plan, because Rousey's whole MO is, like, I like when I lose, I'm a crybaby. And I hide my face for years. Like, she does not take losing well. You saw yes. it with Holly Holm. You saw it with Amanda Nunes in UFC. She ends up quitting and comes to WWE. And she's like, I'm never going to lose in WWE. I'm never going to put someone over. That's ridiculous. It's fake. You know? Mm-hmm. What if WWE was like, all right, uh, Becky, you're just going to submit Charlotte to end the show. That's why she was added to the match anyway. So yeah. Ronda doesn't have to take the actual pinfall or submission. What if WWE is like, all right, that's what we're going to do. Like, all right, on three, team. All right, break. Ronda heads to the ring. And they're like, all right, Becky, you're going to roll up Ronda Rousey. And Rod's going to count the one, two, three regardless if she gets her shoulders up. And then that's how Mania ends with everybody satisfied that Ronda Rousey was pinned to lose in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. I think there would be a lot. Like, now it's it's Wednesday, WrestleMania was Sunday of- that would have surfaced by now, I think. Um, but you can't count that out. Obviously, like you look at the WrestleMania 31 main event, the idea to have Rollins cash in and win the title at the end of the show was the last second decision. Um, so I, I, I don't know. That's something Vince would do for sure. Because I know uh, Rousey didn't want to put, really didn't, want to put anyone over in the wwe do i think that's what happened no do i think they botched the ending most definitely i don't think i think rousey knew that she was getting pinned to end the show but i bet she was not happy about it that's really my take on it and if she wasn't happy about it that's probably why they uh made the finish the way it was she wasn't legitimately pinned she was screwed over so that in her mind she'd be like oh she didn't pin me Maybe that's the way it looks, but she didn't pin me. That way she comes back to some maybe like WrestleMania next year, goes one-on-one with Lynch for the title, not in the main event this time, but one-on-one for the title just to see if Lynch could beat her one-on-one in a fair game, which is what everybody wants to see. Yeah, that's what it should have been. So that was the WrestleMania recap. Uh, Monday Night Raw. Raw was, again, Undertaker shows up. At Raw, not WrestleMania. I guess it's going to be The Undertaker versus Elias at uh, the Saudi Arabia event next month. I don't even know what the name of it is yet. I don't know. Uh, Sami Zayn returns. Phenomenal intercontinental title match with Finn Balor. Shaves his head. Balor went over, but... Um, great uh, Great promo by Sami Zayn, though. Basically calls out the crowd for being a bunch of internet darlings complaining about everything. Yeah, well, Which is kind of refreshing to see. I thought SmackDown was was awesome last night. And then, of course, originally, so the main event on Raw was going to be Seth Rollins versus Kofi Kingston in a winner-take-all match. 
Oh, they completely destroyed the end of that show. And again, it was just like WrestleMania. Started out hot, started out great. They were making all the right decisions, and then they like pull something out of their ass. Or like, I would have never have thought of that, but it wasn't good. You know, yeah, I, I legitimately like I I knew someone was going to interfere. There was no way that they were going to unify the titles, and that would have destroyed the brand split. Let's be honest. Like the women's division, it looks like the entire women's division is going to be on both brands. Just the way it it's looks just, right now. Yeah, I just I I think they came finally came to their senses and realized the women's division obviously is not nearly as big as the men's division, and there's really not enough talent for two different shows. Plus, it's looking like SmackDown's gonna move to three hours starting in October because they're moving over to Fox, and it's gonna become Friday Night SmackDown again. Yeah, which should be interesting. We'll see what happens, but. Uh, Title for title, universal title for WWE title. He knew someone was going to interfere, like Daniel Bryan, maybe Lesnar. Uh, maybe the Undisputed Era gets called up, interferes. No, we get the bar. So we get the bar from SmackDown Live, and then we get a tag, like a mediocre tag team match where Rollins and Kingston both hold up their titles. Yeah, it was garbage ending to Raw. The I don't think anybody will tell you that that was the right call. Like, yep, no. that was right. Good job. Nope. That sucked. That was, like, like, what do they expect? They have to know. Like, have they never learned from their mistakes? Like, literally look at the decisions you've made. Like, I'm speaking to WWE right now. Look at the decisions you've made over the past three years. Now, it's the Raw after WrestleMania. Kofi Kingston's the champion. There's the WWE champion. Rollins is the universal champion. You're going to put them in a main event match, winner take all. Obviously, you're not going to unify the titles. What can you do here? Like, use your brain. Learn from your mistakes. Don't do something stupid and fuck up. And they completely fucked it up. Like, it's almost like they try to do these things sometimes. And the thing is, when Raw went off the air, how they ended the show with the dark segment was ten times better than the main event that they had on air. They got the shield back they together. They should have done that to end the show. Why not? Having that dark, like having that tag team match was almost like you're 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 gonna punish dark. Dean Ambrose for wanting to leave the company by having him being powerbombed by Bobby Lashley through a table to end his WWE run with no official last match. But you're gonna let him say his farewell off the air. Should have been on. Should have been on the air. Would have been an awesome final Raw after WrestleMania moment. Considering that it was in the same building where the Shield had their first ever match. Seven years prior, that TLC against Kane, Daniel Bryan, and Ryback. Which was a great match, by the way. That's and, true. That's true. I wonder if, if Ambrose even thought about that. But that's where his first match was with the Shield. Yeah. And Reigns wasn't even on the show. Reigns, an entire three hour show, Raw after WrestleMania, is left off the show. Same with Drew yeah. McIntyre. And the way that's going right now, it seems to me like, um, so I guess McIntyre was on SmackDown. I don't think he's going to get moved there. I think the first move is going to be Rollins versus McIntyre. That's what's being reported for the Universal title at Extreme Rules, which means the Reigns and McIntyre match was a one and done, which could potentially mean next week in the Superstar Shakeup, Roman Reigns could be heading to uh, SmackDown Live. Which I think. Which would be refreshing. And then you can move AJ Styles over to Raw. And eventually yeah. set up that Rollins-Styles match that everybody's been clamoring for. 
Yeah, possibly for SummerSlam. I mean, move Randy Orton over to Raw, move Strowman to SmackDown, move Balor to SmackDown. It's looking like Balor's going to go to SmackDown with the Intercontinental title, which means Samoa Joe's probably going to come over to Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Which could be good. I, I just don't really think the U.S. championship is ever going to be, like, relevant again. Or at least not soon. They've buried that title so many times. Well, the way it's looking right now, if it's Joe and Strowman, Strowman becomes U.S. champ, then it becomes something. Hopefully. Uh, no guarantees. Uh, yeah, there's definitely no guarantees there. But... Raw, SmackDown, decent shows, nothing extraordinary. Raw after WrestleMania used to be something special. Like, it was always at least one NXT call-up, one heel turn, one title change. So, on Raw, I don't think we saw any title changes. No, I thought thought, uh, the Revival were going to take back the titles, Raw tag team titles, but they put... um, Ryder and and uh, Hawkins yeah. over again. So I mean, we uh, saw we saw title matches. Yeah, we saw title matches. We saw Bobby Roode and Gable turn heel, which was like the biggest heel turn of the night. Um, NXT called. We saw Lars Sullivan make his debut. Finally, remember yeah. remember Lars Sullivan, the guy who called Stephanie McMahon a hot piece of ass, <laughs> and then didn't pay for it because he got to attack Kurt Angle in his first ever moment in WWE. And then yeah. ends up coming back on SmackDown the next night and attacks the Hardy Boys after they win the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Which, again, should have happened at WrestleMania, but whatever. Are you listening, WWE? You don't listen to your fans. Not at all. But it was a decent Raw on SmackDown. Again, not what it's been in years past. After WrestleMania, good show. WrestleMania 35, all-around good show. To finish up this pod, though, Declan, it's time. And I hope you wrote something down, because it is time for the O-Down Throwdown segment here on the show to finish things off. I guess I'll go first, because uh, you don't have anything prepared. No, so you better th- you, the whole time. You better think of something fast, because uh, here we go. WrestleMania at MetLife Stadium has already come and gone. Throughout the night, I was waiting to hear that very famous gong, but it never happened, and I was pissed. Why does Vince have to be such a dick? Even the WrestleMania stage looked like a fucking brick. Hey! Keep it going. Keep it going. I can't Good hear it. Here you go. Ambrose is gone. Mania is through. Brett's heart attack at the Hall of Fame was the best part. That is true. Vince fucked up again, and I don't know about you, but WWE Creative is the reason I'll be watching AEW. Brilliant. A little off cue, but brilliant. I couldn't, I couldn't hear it cut out. How, that was your good first O-Down Throwdown. We should Thank try you. and do more on the show. We gotta come up with our own scripts, but we gotta do more. 
For sure. So that was the O-Down Throwdown here on the O-Show Podcast. This was episode 58. Catch it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever the hell you guys get your podcasts. I'm your host, Jack O'Hara, alongside Declan O'Hara for the first time in ages. Really? Ages. It was like a month. You're a busy man, I guess. Baseball, man. It's every day. I'm I'm supposed to have an off day once a week by law because I have a game on Sunday and usually Sunday is the off day. I still have practice tomorrow. And I have broad. I, I have baseball. I have softball. I have volleyball. My schedule is just as intimidating as yours. So, yeah, sure. But this was the O Show podcast with Jack and Declan O'Hara. Again, catch it on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Tune in wherever the hell you guys get your podcast. And as our very new shirt that's coming out very soon says, hit it, Hootie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.